This is the Concealed Carry Podcast, episode number 299. And welcome to the Concealed Carry Podcast, part of the ConcealedCarry.com network. I am your host, Riley Bowman, joined today on this 299th episode, that's crazy talk, <laughs> by Mr. Matthew Marister. Hey, what's up, man? Hey, dude. <laughs> I heard you got some snow out your way in the last day or two. Yeah, it, I thought it was done, but uh, yeah, they pulled us right back into the snow, so we're getting a little bit now, too. So Sweet. Yeah, well, I love snow. I'm I'm weird that way. I I, I freaking <laughs> love snow. Uh, it's okay, but after like the fourth month of it, you're like, uh, let's stop, man. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, not not really. I mean, okay, it's nice when it gets warm, right? Like, so I, here's the thing: I hate winter when it's just cold and like there's no like good reason for 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 it to be cold. Yeah. If there's snow on the ground, however, that's a good reason for it to be cold. <laughs> true, true. But you know, the problem we have here in Colorado is, is that you know we get snow and then it gets warm, kind of warm, not always like super warm. Occasionally we get some really nice days. I've seen it be like seventy degrees in January, which is pretty pretty awesome. But a lot of times it'll be like forty five, fifty, which is not bad, but it's not great either, right? And then there's nothing on the ground and everything just looks dead, right? But when it <laughs> snows, I'm like, yes, yes, it can be cold and have the white stuff around. I'm all, I'm all for that. <laughs> so anyway, hey guys, welcome to today's show. We are, this is a, our, what am I trying to say? This is our Justified Saves edition of the podcast, uh, being the first Tuesday of the month. Uh, we are, we are now on this rotating cycle of, uh, news stories and justified saves is always a fan favorite. We've got a bunch of great stories to share with you today, including one story out of Utah, and it actually involved an Idaho police officer who was shot by a Utah homeowner in an apparent act of self defense. That sounds kind of crazy, so we'll get into that. Uh, there's also a story about a former govern, you know, gubernatorial candidate who had to draw her gun to defend her daughter from a crazy person. That's always fun and exciting. Uh, this story out of Georgia is insane, where a man, on the, on the very day he gets his concealed carry permit, and, the, and so he's all excited, right? He's got his permit, and he's got his gun of choice, and he sticks his gun on his, on his waistband for the first time ever, goes out carrying concealed for the first time. And that day, he and his friend were ambushed by two men and he had to draw his gun and exchange fire with them on his first day <laughs> like what are the odds of that i'm looking forward to talking about that story with you guys as well so today's episode made possible and brought to you by our new concealedcarry.com legal boundaries by state this is a special new uh this is a legal summary guide and so it's an ebook all right so it's an electronic downloaded book uh, awesome. We put a lot of work into this. It's 208 pages long. And so 208 pages of state-by-state -state summaries of all the various different laws. Plus, there's a ton of helpful information in there about air travel, staying in hotels, how to store and secure firearms in a vehicle, uh, all kinds of good stuff in this 200-plus page, page book available now. Just the, it just We just got that launched this week go to concealedcarry.com forward slash law ebook law ebook all right concealedcarry.com forward slash law ebook and uh, pick up a copy day only two dollars and 23 cents for a limited time two two three <laughs> and also today's episode brought to you by andrew branca's law of self-defense pick up a copy of for your state your your specific state i don't know if people realize this andrew has gone through the effort and the trouble of creating state supplement DVDs. What these are is these are supplements to his main his main stuff, his main juice. Okay. And you pick up a supplement DVD. It'll be for your specific state. So he goes through your specific state's laws and gives you a breakdown of all that. All on this DVD available for a limited time at 50% off. Go to concealedcarry.com forward slash state DVD concealedcarry.com 
forward slash state DVD. I don't even think there's coupon codes associated with this stuff. They're just marked down for a limited time. So if you're hearing about it now, go now. Go to those. Uh, go to our site. Pick up a copy of the Legal Boundaries by State and a copy of Your State Supplement DVD from Andrew Brinkett's Law of Self Defense. Good stuff there. Alrighty. Speaking of Andrew Branca, we've got to do case of the week. We missed it last week because we 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 were traveling, we were off-site, and didn't have the means to actually like do it live on the Facebook show. So, uh, but the, for those listening to the audio feed, definitely you, you you got last week's case of the week. We have this week's case of the week. It's a good one. Beating an unconscious aggressor is not self-defense, is what the title of this one is. That sounds reasonable. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so. We're going to go ahead and play that for you right now. Hey folks, Attorney Andrew Branca here for Law of Self-Defense. In this case of the week, we take a look at a bar fight out of Oshkosh, Wisconsin, that left one of the combatants dead and the other charged with first-degree murder and arguing desperately for self-defense immunity in order to avoid prosecution. The facts here are as reported in the Des Moines Register, which is linked in the text version of this case of the week. Now, it's a frequent observation of mine that self-defense law itself is relatively straightforward, but that the ignorant media covering these cases know so little that they can't help but make things sound incredibly complicated. That's certainly the case here. The essential facts here are that the extravagantly drunk victim of this fight began to annoy the defendant who was present at the bar with a date. The fist fight ensued. The defendant emerged the clear victor. The victim died of his injuries and the defendant was charged with first degree murder. In defense against the murder charge, the defendant raised the legal defense of self-defense, which, as we've discussed before, consists of several distinct required legal elements in order for the claim of self-defense to be valid. In states that have adopted a self-defense immunity statute, it's often possible for the defendant to effectively raise the defense of self-defense in a pre-trial self-defense immunity hearing. Essentially, this hearing becomes a mini-trial before the trial. If the defendant successfully argues self-defense at that pre-trial immunity hearing, he's granted immunity from further prosecution, and he doesn't have to undergo the expense and time of a full-blown trial, prospectively hundreds of thousands of dollars and months of time. Among the many states that have adopted self-defense immunity provisions in recent years, and always with great controversy, is the state of Wisconsin, where these events took place. Wisconsin adopted a self-defense immunity provision relatively recently in 2017, and the defendant in this case has chosen to exercise his privilege to pursue self-defense immunity in the hopes of avoiding his trial for murder. The article about this case, linked in the text version of this case of the week, spends a lot of time discussing the relative confusion surrounding Wisconsin's self-defense immunity law, including the fact that the self-defense immunity statute itself does not define the specific legal procedure to be followed by the defendant in seeking or by the court in granting self-defense immunity. This is a common failing of many self-defense immunity statutes not to provide the specific procedure to be followed. In fact, when this defendant sought self-defense immunity, the hearing judge denied his motion not on the merits, but on the basis that he didn't know what he was supposed to do, that the law did not specify to the judge the procedure to be followed. The news article asks, was this a just decision by the self-defense immunity hearing judge? Might the defendant have qualified for self-defense immunity if only the hearing judge had allowed for it? Is this defendant about to start a first-degree murder trial solely because the legislature didn't do a complete job in writing the self-defense immunity statute? Well, I can answer those questions for you, and here's the answer. It just doesn't matter, at least not on the facts of this case. None of that matters. Whatever specific procedure a court might apply to a self-defense immunity hearing, the bottom line question is always the same on self-defense, both at the trial and at the pre-trial self-defense immunity hearing. It's the same question. 
can a compelling argument be made that the defendant's use of force was lawful self-defense? Or to put it another way, the reverse way, if any one of the required elements of a self-defense claim has obviously been violated, is not present, a required element is missing, then whatever that use of force was, it can't have been lawful self-defense as a matter of law because one of the required conditions of self-defense is not there. It can't be self-defense at trial and it can't be self-defense at a pre-trial self-defense immunity hearing. It's simply not self-defense because one of the required elements of self-defense is lacking. Now, in this particular case, the uncontested facts, and they're uncontested because they were caught on video, clearly show a violation of one of the required elements of self-defense. And this makes self-defense unavailable as a legal justification for this defendant's use of force, period. The defendant here argues that the drunk victim was the initial aggressor in the fight and that this fight wouldn't have happened but for the victim's initial antagonizing behavior. And all that may be true, but again, it doesn't matter on the facts of this case. The reason it doesn't matter is because the defendant didn't just beat the victim unconscious. Once the victim was unconscious, the defendant picked him up off the ground, slammed him back onto the ground, and then effectively beat him to death. Now, the defendant may well have been entitled to his initial use of force against the victim. Maybe not, but maybe so. But it doesn't matter, because once the victim was unconscious, any threat presented by that victim had been neutralized. The fight was over, and the defendant's privilege to continue using force had ended. The continued use of force after the threat has been neutralized, after there is no longer an imminent threat, cannot be justified as lawful self-defense, not at trial and not at a pretrial self-defense immunity hearing. It's just not self-defense because continuing to use force after a threat has clearly been neutralized is not self-defense as a matter of law. In summary, given the surveillance video showing the continued beating of the unconscious victim, there's no self-defense discussion to be had, at least not by anyone informed on what self-defense is. Now, granted, the defendant's lawyers will still argue self-defense because that's what they're paid to do as defense lawyers, and they'll fail on these facts absent an insane jury, which I'm sure is what they're hoping for. That the journalists covering the story, however, will continue arguing the question of self-defense tells us nothing except that, once again, journalists are writing about a subject on which they are utterly ignorant. I'm attorney Andrew Branca for Law Self-Defense. Stay safe. If you enjoyed this case of the week, I urge you to take a look at the Law of Self-Defense blog, the premier source for authoritative self-defense law education and insight. There's always free content available, as well as premium content for the Law of Self-Defense community. Just point your browser to lawofselfdefense.com forward slash blog. Remember, you carry a gun so you're hard to kill. Know the law so you're hard to convict. I'm attorney Andrew Branca for Law of Self-Defense. There you have it. Another excellent analysis and case brought to you by Law of Self-Defense and attorney Andrew Branca over there. Good folks at Law of Self-Defense, and uh, we're always pleased to uh, have a a very good working relationship with uh, Andrew and his team there. Uh, Matthew, any thoughts about uh, the case this week? No, I mean, I think everybody pretty much um, would seize, understands that that legally speaking is way too too much force. Um, But I like what Elke, he he commented, um, and he said, plus, it just ain't right. And if, I mean, it boils down to that. I mean, whether or not it's legally justified or not, that's a separate issue, but it's just not right. I mean, the guy was not a threat and he continued to to pummel the guy. And, uh, and we just don't do that. It's, you know, whether it's def- deadly force that we're using, that's why we don't shoot specifically to kill somebody, you know? And so I, I, I like that, uh, Elkie, that was a good comment. Yeah. And there's a good comment here from Matthew, too, uh, live on Facebook. He says, just like you can escalate force, you need to know how to de-escalate as well. That's also key and very important. And you got to know 
when the situation is done and over with, you know, <laughs> you just can't keep going. Uh, I think even Jay here is saying something about like, you can't shoot somebody and ha- you know, have them fall down and they're not moving anymore. And then you perform an entire reload on your gun and then like shoot them some more, you know I mean? Like, <laughs> it, it, yeah. So I think it's pretty uh, clear probably to most of our viewers and listeners uh, that uh, as to what the problem was exactly in this case, but it's also a, like, don't sit there and tell yourself, well, yeah, I already know that. Like, of course, duh. Like I wouldn't do that, but people get hyped up in situations like this, you know? And, and I think the, the what's unique about this situation is because the man that, you know, because the guy that was on trial, the guy that killed the other dude, because he wasn't using a weapon, you know, he's just using his hands. I don't think he thought he was going to end up killing this guy. I think right. he just was so, you know, amped up on adrenaline and, and so angry, you know, about the whole situation. And he just kept going and, you know, just beating on him with his hands, his fists, his feet, whatever. And probably didn't expect that it was going to go as far as it did. Um, but, uh, you know, we got to understand, like, some there is that potential, that capacity within us as humans to sometimes not be able to stop ourselves, especially when we when we don't think that what we're doing is going to cause a result in death. The point is, is like when the fight's over, the fight's over, regardless of what kind of fight it is, right? Yeah. Now, there's a good question here from Diane. Why didn't anybody try to stop that guy from killing him? And Elkie comments right back, bystander effect. And like, we see this all the time, you know, where people are just afraid to involve themselves in other people's business. Mm-hmm. Right, and uh, they 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 freeze. They don't know what to do. They don't know how to handle it. Uh, they don't understand the full you know situation, and they're afraid to get involved. Uh, I I will forever have ingrained in my mind the incident in Seattle, where you remember the guy that had the knife, and he had just stabbed his wife. Yeah. yeah. She, unfortunately, she later died. Uh, and then a concealed carrier in the area draws his gun on the dude with the knife, and basically is like backpedaling, you know, the, the guy with the knife just keeps walking towards him and he's not being overly aggressive. He's not like suddenly charging at him. He's just like walking towards him and, and, you know, basically saying like, shoot me, shoot me, you know? And the guy with the gun is just backpedaling, you know, I don't know how many, probably 200 feet. He just keeps walking back. And meanwhile, all around, you know, this isn't like a public square and all around the situation, looky loose bystanders, the whole reason we have video of it is because a bystander pulled out their phone to just mm-hmm. to record it, you know. So uh, it's it's a it's a real thing. Yeah. All right, let's jump now to our first story. We've got a what not to do. So before we really get into the justified save stories, and not that this one this one could have been a justified save, could have been. But there's a bigger issue at play, and let's let's talk about that a little bit. So let me break this down a little for you. Uh, we have in Baton Rouge, Louisiana, a man was killed while trying to stop someone stealing his vehicle. Uh, this is according to theadvocate.com. And the man was, he was fatally shot outside his apartment. He had heard somebody outside. He noticed somebody breaking into his vehicle. So he armed himself and then went out to confront the burglar. And that's when he was shot. Uh, He was uh, taken to the hospital where he later died. And uh, it is not known, it says, according to uh, police, that if he had been able to draw his weapon before being shot. But basically, he, he noticed someone breaking into his vehicle, trying to steal his vehicle. He armed himself. He went out to try to affect, essentially, you know, he wanted to stop that, that crime from taking place. And whether he got his weapon out or not doesn't matter, but the guy that he was trying to stop was far more ready to deal out uh, violence. Uh, and he was shot and killed. Yeah. It's tragic. Yeah. You know, and there's a, there's a ton that we could talk about uh, on this. And um, we've talked about not like searching your, you know, going out and searching around your home for noise outside and things like that. Um, but I think the most important thing that I took from this, this, uh, news story is that anytime you get in, you, you get into a conflict with somebody, there's a potential for you to get injured or you to die. And this was totally 100% avoidable by the victim who tragically ends up dying, um, completely avoidable. 
And so before you act kind of like, you know, we, in, in the story with Andrew Branca, the guy goes overboard, right? But, you know, before you even t- make the decision to use force or, t- or to do something, think about what is my life worth? I mean, I can potentially get into a fight with somebody and either get injured or killed. Is it worth it? And then you look at your car and you look at your, maybe your wife or your child and you say, uh, you know, it's not worth it to me. Um, and so I think, you know, pause before you, you, you uh, embark on one of these, uh, I'm just not going to let him steal my, you know, my car or it's justified in Texas. You know, I can, you know, defend property. Just think about it, you know? Yep. Yeah. Good thoughts there, man. So this guy, his first mistake was just going outside in the first place. Mm-hmm. Right. And I totally I totally understand it, you know, as far as, hey, man, that's my car. And, like, you know, you you intuitively know, oh, I can call 911 right now, but by the time cops get here, my car's gone or my mm-hmm. stuff's gone or whatever, right? And so you're thinking, oh, I I can go out there and maybe just by yelling at them, they're going to run off because they've been caught. Or, you know, I'll be able to go out there and and and, and you know, do whatever. Like, some people literally will run out with the gun in hand even though there's not necessarily been a deadly threat presented just yet. At any rate, anytime you leave the confines of your abode, your safe, your castle, your, your, your safe place, you invite greater opportunity that something not so fun could happen to you. Your, your personal, your legal, your health's liability, all of that, increases dramatically as soon as you go out of the home to try to stop a property crime, right? That's the key here. This guy, unfortunately, he made the wrong call and he got, he messed, he tangled the wrong dude that night. And that's really, really sad and unfortunate. But, and that's why we share a story like this because guys, like we gotta, gotta keep everything in, in context. Like stuff is just stuff. And hopefully you got you know, the right kind of insurance for that. Right. But you can't, like, there's no there's no such thing as any sort of insurance policy that will replace your life. This guy is, he's dead, he's gone because he made the wrong call and there's nothing you can do to bring him back. So stay where you're safe, right? Take up a good defensive position in your home. Be ready if the situation goes beyond that. Call nine one one. Be as good a witness as you can, but stuff is just stuff, and it's not your. It's not worth your life. Not even close to it. Speaking of things that are or are not worth our lives, <clears throat> there's a story here we're, we're going to talk about from KSL.com, and so this, this is over in Utah. This, this is uh, Salt. This is like the news channel in Salt Lake City, uh, Utah. Uh, it says here, Utah man shoots kills Idaho police officer who confronted him in his home. I remember when this, when I heard first heard this one reported and I was like, eh, like it just sounds so strange. Like police officer from Idaho. Some is somehow like for whatever reason, he's in Utah in somebody's home and gets shot apparently in some kind of we And at the time I didn't know whether it was self-defense, you know, it was a little unclear exactly everything that was going on when it was very, very, very first reported. But now the details have come out. The details are that the uh, man that was shot and killed it was police officer uh, Blaine Reed from Idaho Falls, Idaho. That's pretty close to my neck of the woods where I grew up. And he had traveled down to Layton, Utah, apparently to confront a man there who was involved in a relationship, he believed, with this police officer's ex-girlfriend. All right, so police officer had a girlfriend that now he thinks is in a relationship with this other dude that lives in Utah and he goes to Utah. That's Layton from Idaho Falls to Layton is like three hours, a little bit less than three hours. I mean, this is no small distance, right? You know, this is 200 miles away probably. And uh, so he goes there to confront this dude and a physical altercation, it says took place between the two men and it got apparently to the point where the homeowner drew a weapon, and shot the police officer several times who died at the hospital. No charges have been filed against the homeowner. Mm-hmm. And probably, based on the circumstances as we can see it here right now, 
the fact that the homeowner was in his home, this police officer had, he basically says that he entered without being invited. So he came in, and in most contexts, in most states, that is unlawful entry, right? right? So this is looking pretty, as of right now, I'd, I'd love to see more details on this too, because th- these sorts of cases are always fascinating, fascinating in the like, what the heck happened here, you know, but this is probably a justified shooting. And it, it looks that way based on the fact there's no charges being, being filed against the homeowner. Yeah. How do you it, read it, this it, one, buddy? Yeah. Same. I, I couldn't add anything to it. You know, somebody breaks into your house um, or doesn't even, it, it might not even break in. They come in unwanted. So the door was unlocked. I think that's what I said. And um, so they come in unwanted and uh, uninvited and, I, I imagine that the, he wasn't there to like have a, you know, reasonable conversation over like some coffee about his ex-girlfriend or whatever. Right. He was there to do something to this guy. So, yeah. um, you know, he, he probably acted appropriately and it just, uh, it's just a sad, sad, in, uh, sad, sad case because, um, somebody acts on emotion and sometimes we act on our emotions and, and, we don't put them in check. Right. Yep. And so this guy, you know, makes a bad choice and, uh, ends up costing his life. So, yep. Now to be fair and to provide full and complete, uh, context, uh, this was a bad cop. It's pretty much what it comes down to, uh, he had been suspended recently, uh, because of a domestic violence in- incident, which I believe was probably, was probably this ex-girlfriend, right? And according to police reports, there it was that he had he had attempted to strangle and he had beat this 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 girlfriend. Uh, so he was suspended, and they were still investigating. You know that whole situation there. And then this happens. It just seems like this is a cop that was he became unhinged. Uh, he was infatuated with this girl. You know that was no longer his, and. Uh, he, he he did the wrong thing. He he made the wrong call here, mm-hmm. it, it would seem, right? I mean, the, it, everything just points in the direction of that officer being in the wrong. The fact that he went out of his way to drive nearly three hours south to go confront this man over a ex-girlfriend. That's what I meant when I began this story about talk about things that aren't really worth it, right? Worth your life. Uh, this is a relationship that ended and obviously he's still pretty torn up about this, but she's gone dude. And you're going way out of the way to reinsert yourself into, you know, a situation here. And he, he made the wrong call and was probably way too aggressive and it cost him his life. That's unfortunate. Yeah. Um, yeah. So sorry, just take, take a look at some comments here. Yeah, Chad says article sounded like he came over to that house with intent. I mean, well, obviously, yeah, he he barged his way right in, so he was there intent to do something. Uh, no normal sane person responds that way. Matthew, tell us about man who shot or who killed wife in dentist's office was shot by a concealed carry holder. Yeah, Probably this holder. is this is a pretty cool story. So, um, basically, what happens is a a man walks in the back. At entrance or exit of a dentist's office where his wife works um, and shoots her and kills her. Um, he's 63 years, years old. They've been having marital problems. Um, and somebody there, uh, a client at the, at the dentist, it doesn't say if he's like in the chair getting drilled on or not, but he hears what's going on. He sees what's going on. He's a concealed carrier, draws his firearm and shoots, uh, shoots the man several times um, and stops him from, you know, possibly he was obviously there to kill his wife. And and some people say, well, you know, maybe, you know, he, he would have stopped after that, but obviously, you know, murder suicides and, and, uh, mass shootings, they're, they're, it's not mass shootings sometimes start with, you know, you kill a loved one and then you go on and, you know, it's downhill from there. They don't care at that point. Um, so the potential for this to turn into a mass shooting is definitely there. He stops it. Um, doesn't get a lot of national coverage, but obviously even through the police after they investigated and done a lot of interviews uh, with the people there, they say the dude it, it, like acted 
heroically and, and there would have been more casualties had he not intervened. Um, and so, you know, it, it, a couple things that stood out to me, and I'm sure you picked up on those too, is that like, you don't go to the dentist thinking that you're going to get in a, a shootout. And if so, if you only carry your gun, when you go to like dangerous places, I see it all the time. Like, well, I only carry this gun when I go to dangerous places, or I only carry with around in the chamber when I go to dangerous places. Well, what is a dangerous place? I mean, the, the dentist's office might not be a necessarily a dangerous place. Um, but you know, obviously things happen. So the, the guy made the right decision initially in the morning to leave with his gun. And, uh, and another thing is in the article, it says like multiple police, like swarm the building and all kinds of stuff. Right. And he was obviously not mistaken as the bad guy. So it's that communication, um, that, 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 you know, a lot of times we think we hear like, Oh, I don't want to be, you know, thought of as the bad guy and shot. And, and, and it does happen, but it's more rare than you would think in, in, in this situation, it, it, it typically, it could have happened. Right. But it didn't. Um, and so. It's a whole nother conversation we could have, but those two things kind of stood out to me. Yeah, man. You know, that's a really great observation, you know, because that is a, that is kind of a, a topic that comes up quite often. I, I hear this thrown about all the time. In fact, I was in a conversation the other day uh, where someone was asking, you know, do you carry a spare magazine? Do you, scare, do you carry spare ammo, right? And one person's response was, well, I mean, it's for me, it's a little bit situationally dependent, you know? So if I'm, if I'm going to a place, uh, you know, a crowded mall, or maybe it's just a part of town I'm going to, whatever it is, uh, then I'll, yeah, I might throw in a spare mag in my pocket or something. Right. Uh, but you know, if I'm just running to my kid's school, just down the block or something you know, and by that, I mean like you're not carrying your gun at the school, but you know, I, I can pick up my kids at school every day, uh, carrying my gun. I swing into the parking lot, they hop in the truck, away we go. Right. You know, well, no, that's that's just school, you know. It's and it's in a safe neighborhood. I don't need to carry a spare mag with me there, right? It's a really great point. This is a dentist office. I'm not expecting to have to jump up out of the dent, dentist chair and you know grab my gun and defend a woman who's being shot by her husband. Like that's crazy talk. That's it's insane. It's not something that happens every day. Uh, even close to it, but yeah, it, this sort of thing happens, and these sort these types of shootings do occur. A fairly regular clip across America, particularly when domestic violence is involved, unfortunately, where, and so often, statistically speaking, it's the it's the man that goes to the woman's place of work and commits the act. I just had a concealed uh, carry, I, t- I taught a concealed carry class on Saturday morning, and one of the uh, students in that class told quite the harrowing story where his wife was shot and killed by mm-hmm. his by his brother-in-law okay so it was and the brother-in-law shot and killed his or shot his wife but the wife survived but because the wife of my student was who's the who's the woman's sister okay so there's two laser sisters right because she was there with her she also got shot and she died uh-huh. does that make sense Crazy yeah. story. He's telling he's telling the whole class this, and I'm just like, whoa, dude. This happened back in the '80s, and he was really uh, he he, he kind of described it as he he sort of pulled away from the whole like gun culture uh, because like it just kind of messed him up, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, sharing that whole story was was really impactful, uh, but it also just, just sort of for me resonates with this one in that where that took place was. I think just at their home or something. And so, you know, uh, your your wife goes over to her sister's home, which is a, a safe place. Like, you're not expecting anything to happen there. But for whatever reason, you know, tensions were high between the, that husband and wife. And he just, he he blew up. It was the last straw for him. And that may have been the, what, what, what the case was here in this situation in that the suspect here, uh, I think he was 52 years old, he had never... He had nothing on his criminal record. Zero. Yeah. Zilch. You know, but something breaks in his life. And this happens, unfortunately. Uh, and a lot of times, this type of incident may not even be predictable. You know, right. it's not like there's any law that could, could be passed that would prevent this sort of thing from occurring. But we can, all of ourselves, each of us, be responsible and be trained and be prepared, you know, to act 
even in situations where we least expect it to occur. Mm-hmm. Huh. Ed here's comments. He carries a total of four mags at all times. That's awesome, dude. Now that's it, it's it's one thing if it's four mags and they're six round mags, and a whole other thing if they're twenty one round Magpul Glock magazines. Uh, <laughs> anyway, um, I think Ed and uh, Tim Grammons would be would be good buddies. <laughs> and folks, if you missed that episode, uh, go back. What was that? Two ninety seven. I think so. I think it was two ninety seven where we interviewed Tim Grammons, a uh, police officer from Illinois. He tells us all about why he carries a lot of rounds with him. Yeah, pretty pretty cool episode. Anyway, folks, uh, yeah, crazy story there, dentist's office. But thank goodness that concealed carrier, carrier was there, and yep. he was able to say, I mean, it could have gotten worse. Like you said, Matthew, this could have been where that guy shot the wife and then proceeded to shoot everybody else in the dentist's office. That happens right. all the time, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. Now we're to that story I, I previewed a little bit. Uh, Georgia man robbed at gunpoint same day he receives concealed carry permit. But before I get into the story, <clears throat> I'm going to take a. I'm going to do something I don't typically do. I'm going to just talk real quick about what we're doing this Thursday. So we're super excited. This Thursday, what is that? March seventh is our 300th episode of the Concealed Carry Podcast. When Jacob and I launched this podcast way back now. I would have never imagined I'd be saying, welcome to episode 300. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, it's just like mind-boggling to me. And the fact that people still listen to us <laughs> is amazing to me as well. Uh, in fact, that list gets bigger and bigger all the time because I see the, the statistics and it's exciting. Uh, we are so excited. We are going to be celebrating episode 300 with everybody this Thursday. We're going to do that by talking about, it'll be you, Matthew, me, yep. and Jacob all on one episode it's been a while since we had all three of us together at one time. The three of us are going to do that episode together, and we're going to talk about our favorite moments, our favorite interviews, favorite stories, whatever that is, and maybe even some of the things that we're embarrassed by or we wish we had done differently with the podcast or whatever that, you know. So it'll, it'll, it'll be a kind of a throwback to 300 episodes of the Concealed Carry Podcast. I'm sure it's going to be a lot of fun, and we'll have we'll have a good time putting that together. But throughout the episode, we're going to be giving away a bunch of prizes. How do you sign up for those prizes? You sign up just like you do for our weekly Tuesday giveaways. We're doing an extra giveaway this week, uh, and that is open to everybody. All right. So you need to go get signed up at concealedcarry.com forward slash podcast prize and sign up for this week's 300th episode giveaway, Thursday, March 7th. If you can join us live, that would be great. We'll have a great time. If not, that's cool too. But uh, get signed up at concealedcarry.com forward slash podcast prize. And we are giving away as the top prize a Palmetto State Armory 300 blackout AR pistol. Complete pistol. Not just a kit. Not, not just an upper. We're giving away the whole shebang. All right. This is valued at $649. And uh, it's going to be awesome. So one one lucky winner is going to win a 300 Blackout AR pistol. That's exciting. And uh, there will be several other winners throughout the episode. Yet That's yet to be determined. We're, we're, we still got to talk about that somewhat. But we'll, I, I'm kind of thinking every, about every 10 minutes, Matthew, we'll give something away. All right? That'd be cool. Yeah, we okay. should do it. 300 episodes is a big deal. So, folks, come join us on Thursday uh, this week for the episode 300 Big time celebration and giveaway and uh, look back at all 300 episodes and it'll be a good time. So, concealedcarry.com forward slash podcast prize. Let's get into this article from Georgia. Oh, by the way, I didn't mention the time. 12 p.m. noon mountain time. All right. That's for Thursday. Georgia. Georgia man robbed at gunpoint same day he receives concealed carry permit. This is just amazing to me, Matthew. This happened on November 1st, actually 2018. So this happened a little while back. It's a little bit older story, but it's so worthy that we, we, we just had to share this. So John Foster was a brand new permitted concealed carrier. He had just received his permit on November 1st, 2018. That same day, he's carrying his concealed pistol for the first time. Hmm. <laughs> 
He and his friend, it says here, and this is art, this article's on our site, by the way. Uh, his, he and his friend were ambushed by two men with guns. And he, like I said, he was carrying his, his gun for the first time. He drew his gun and moved to the cover of a nearby vehicle. Isn't that interesting? Hmm. I find that rather interesting. He exchanged fire with the would-be robbers. The gunmen turned and fled the area, leaving behind a truck riddled with Foster's bullets. So apparently, that you know where he was firing towards, where they were, was a, was a truck, and uh, apparently that caught a lot of the bullets. Uh, he said that I just really had to get my handgun out and put them on their heels and give myself a fighting chance. He says that he was told by police the truck contained items from a robbery which occurred the night before. So this is actually the suspect's truck, but they did, rather than hop in the truck, they just ran away. Uh, they had stolen goods uh, and they were setting us up. It said for a home invasion is the way this this looks. And, uh, yeah, so now he's raising awareness for state legislation, House Bill HB2, which looks to do away with the legal requirement of a permit in order to carry a concealed weapon. So, in other words, go to con- uh, constitutional carry, like Kentucky just did. Uh, so, and, and, and not, you know, South Dakota just added itself to that list as well fairly recently. And then uh, Oklahoma, was it? Was it Oklahoma? I think Oklahoma was the one yeah, also recently. So, uh, crazy stuff, right? I mean, that, that story just blew me away when i read this i thought are you are you kidding me like what are the odds that on your first day of having a permit and being able to carry concealed you get in a all-out shootout with a couple of thugs and i could totally see why this guy is pushing for constitutional carry because in his mind he's thinking gosh if that happened the day before i'd be dead yeah yeah and he even says that And, and what's interesting and we can talk about like the tactics and everything that he had but the interesting thing is is this story specifically brought up a conversation with a lot of instructors about should training be required for concealed carry permits and 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 you know whether whatever side of the argument you're on i think it's important to look at it and say in this specific case let's look at this case in georgia they don't have a requirement for training so you do have to apply for a license to carry concealed, but you don't need to do any anything other than pay the state money. Okay, so this guy did had no no prior training that we know of. At least I mean, he may have taken training on his own, but it wasn't required, and he acted within you know uh, appropriately. And so I'm not saying that training isn't isn't important. Um, I think it obviously it is. Um, but what I'm saying is, should it be uh, mandated by by the state, you, you can kind of see where in this case where it was mandated just for basically a check in the box, um, he may not have been legally able to carry that firearm and not able to defend himself and maybe would have died. So do guns, you know, are, are, are guns used in mass shootings and things? Of course. But do guns also save people's lives? Sure. And, and if we prohibit certain people from from getting a license that maybe he didn't have enough money. He wouldn't have gotten the license. Right. So there, there's a lot of, a lot of things to unpack, but it, it definitely brought up a big, big conversation about that topic. Yeah. Good stuff, man. Crazy story. Hope that never happens to anybody, any of our listeners, uh, you know, actually I, I frankly hope nobody has to get in a shooting. Right. But it's just amazing. This would happen on the, on that dude's first day as a permitted concealed carrier. Also in Georgia, another story here. The title of this is, I got something for you, elderly woman tells burglar. <laughs> this happened in Jackson County, Georgia, with a 79-year-old woman. Uh, why don't you give us a rundown, Matthew? Yeah, so basically uh, in Jackson County, Georgia, a 79-year-old woman, she's home alone. She hears uh, somebody break into her house and go upstairs. Uh, she hears noises upstairs. I, I believe it's kind of uh, unclear, but I think she sees people outside uh, the home as well. She calls the police. Um, she has a, uh, I believe it's a rifle. I'm not exactly sure. Um, I'm not sure it says anything about the type of gun that's in there, uh, that she had, but she had a gun. Inevitably it was a, it was like a 50 year old 22 long rifle revolver. Probably. <laughs> um, <laughs> I only say so, that because I, I only say that because there was a story almost exactly like this, like way back when in the podcast where that's what it was. <laughs> you know, this lady is like old 22 that her husband, you know, had, you know, she, he'd been dead for like 30 years and she'd had, she'd been holding this old revolver forever. Anyway, 
Sorry. <laughs> I got no, off track. It just cracked. It, These types of stories crack me up. <laughs> um, and so we have embedded in the, in the article, if you go there, uh, is the 911 tape. And you hear the woman uh, on the phone saying, hey, please send the sheriff's department. Um, you know, I hear somebody up in my up in my home. They're inside my home. I see people outside. And at a certain point, she fires around, scares, because I, I believe um, she sees, the timeline is, is, is a little bit difficult to, to follow, but she sees somebody come down the stairs a few times, and each time she fires around. Um, one time she's like, you know, bring it on. You hear her like taunting this guy who's upstairs. She hears them breaking things. Um, and so eventually the sheriff department comes, uh, she, you know, she puts her gun down in all this. And, and it's pretty like, if it weren't so terrifying for the woman, if you just heard what she said, it'd be kind of funny. Right. It, but like you, if you put yourself in this woman's shoes, she's 79 years old. She has no way to defend herself against whoever has just broken into her home. She's scared. She's like, I'm scared. Like, please, please. And, and you hear her pleading with, uh, with, with the 911 call taker. It takes, I, I believe it's seven it, at the seven twenty-two mark. So seven and a half minutes is when the police first officer arrives on scene. So, you know, it, it goes to show you that like, even in, in the, the call takers, like I, I, you know, we're coming, we're coming. And obviously it's a, it's a home invasion call. Right. So, and, and shots are fired. She's telling the police shots are fired. So this is a response that would be a, a swift response and it t- still takes seven and a half minutes. So she's, she, there's no way she would have, been able to defend herself if these people were there to be harm uh, to do her harm, and it turns out that the guy was off his meds, and she believes that might have happened. You know, uh, led to him being up there rummaging, rummaging through some stuff. But um, pretty interesting, you know, it, because it shows you exactly. I've I've heard nine one one calls where it's like this, but it ends up you know where the the, the victim actually dies. Like you actually yeah. hear the person dying on the other end of the phone. So it's like it could have easily been that right had she not had that gun and fired and kept that guy at bay so pretty cool pretty cool little story outside of just like the funny thing she was saying this dialogue is hilarious man i mean it's a scary situation of course but uh this lady is just awesome uh she, you know she talks about you know so she's on the first floor and these guys are above you know one floor and she says okay come on i got something for you and then a minute later, she says, I'm waiting for you. Come on out. When you come down those stairs, I'm going to blow your brains out. <laughs> <laughs> and then she says, they're upstairs talking crazy. Something wrong with them. <laughs> come on. Come on down if you're scared. <laughs> and, and apparently these guys were scared because uh, uh, one the, the daughter of the elderly woman said she, she heard what one of these uh, – intruders uh, was saying he said that you know you're trying to kill me you know so uh uh yeah it's just you know here's the thing there's a little bit of discussion going on on uh on the comments on facebook right now about constitutional carry and whether training should be mandated for someone to carry a gun and i i think probably most everybody that listens to this podcast including uh he who shall not be named right now, uh, unless he makes me really aggravated, and then I might have to drop his name. Uh, <laughs> teasing. You know, I think almost everybody agrees that there shouldn't be training required for you to own a gun and have that gun within your home. So where there's sometimes a debate in our community, um, and I think most people are on the side of constitutional carry, but there definitely are those, and their viewpoints are should be respected. It's understandable why people share this viewpoint, feeling that training should be required uh, for carrying a gun or having a permit to carry concealed. Uh, but I, I look at situations like this and you have this 79 year old woman and I realize this happened inside the context of her home. Right. And so a 79 year old woman, I don't have no idea what kind of training she has, but, uh, you know, just listening to her and how her, her attitude and the way she talks, like I, I don't get the feeling that she's the most educated of, of, you know, self-defense minded gun owners, mm-hmm. you know, some of what she says is probably not the best thing to be saying. Sometimes you know, like saying like, I'm going to kill you, you know, sort of thing. Like she basically says that like, that's probably not a, you know, I'm going to blow your dang brains out is actually one of the quotes that she said. That's probably not the best thing to be saying. 
<laughs> when you're in a situation like this, because if you cross the line somewhere, you know, that could be shown to be some sort of premeditation. Like I was intent on killing this, this bad guy from the get go. Right. Um, if it, if it's all very black and white, then, you know, maybe there's no, no harm, no foul here. But if you, if you are a little bit in the gray area, as far as your use of deadly force, then a statement like that's definitely not going to look very good for you when a prosecutor gets a hold of it. Does that make sense? So I'm using it as evidence that I'm not so sure how educated she is on, on matters such as this. My point is though, is that she may not be very well trained. She may not be very well educated or knowledgeable on the topic of guns or self-defense, but she still has the right to defend herself is what she did here. And she did so successfully, even barring what I suspect is little to no training. Right. And by the way, well, I was taught by my grandpa at age nine does not constitute training, <laughs> you know, was, you know, 70 years later. Um, so anyway, uh, I would just ask too, do people have the same right to defend themselves outside the home as they do within a home? I would say, yeah, I think they do, but we're not going to get into that debate today. Anyway, I just like to point out sometimes though, when I, when I, when I see self-defense shootings that I believe were done by people that generally are not very well trained or prepared and they still are able to succeed. And I think that's remarkable. Men stop, pull gun on alleged kidnapper and Natchitoches perish. This is down the I believe in, let's see, hold on. Normally when we read about parishes, it's in Louisiana. I think it is Louisiana. Alexandria town. Yeah, this is down in Louisiana for sure. Two men helped rescue a woman, one pulling a gun on her, on her alleged kidnapper Wednesday morning in Natchitoches Parish. I'm going to start talking like that all the time. <laughs> uh, so basically what happened here is you had uh, uh, a man that was trying to kidnap a woman. and he says here that this the suspect, his last name is Jefferson, he had given the victim described as his domestic partner. Okay, so this is someone, this is not like he randomly decided to kidnap you know, a random lady off the street. This is someone he was in a relationship with. He'd given her a ride to the bank. The two got into an argument, and he allegedly then used a shock device on the woman and bound her hands with zip ties. She was able to escape not too long later. However, he shocked her again and tightened the ties. He then drove uh, down the road, and she was she believed that he was taking her to a, a remote location and was maybe going to kill her. She feared for her life. She then escaped the Chevrolet pickup truck again near an intersection, leading to a struggle between her and uh, this man. Two men just passing by. They saw the struggle and stopped, and the victim was able to run to their vehicle. One of the concerned citizens produced a handgun for protection, causing the suspect to flee the area, the statement from police reads. Their call in 911 was received about about 10 a.m., and they searched for, for this man and did, did find him. So these two good Samaritans recognized something bad was going on here, and they decided to intervene and get involved, and one of the men felt it was necessary to draw his gun in defense. Apparently, that that was all it took. So good on him, good on them. I'm glad this woman is now safe because of them. Yeah, dude. I mean, what I what I read it was he he was def- he pulled his firearm for protection, and how I read it was from for himself. So the way I I pictured this going downwards, these guys don't get out of the car and just start blasting this guy. You know, thinking they already know the story, they get out. And are like, hey, do you need help? Do you need help? She that able enables her to kind of like take off towards their truck, and maybe this guy now is going to attack them for getting involved. And now he pr- produces the firearm for protection of himself. And so I, I think that if that's the sequence of events, that's extremely like wise, and, and they make very good decisions, not just jumping out of the car and assuming they know everything is going on and shoot this guy. Would they have been justified in, in it? Maybe, maybe not, but like they didn't know the story, but it's certainly when that guy started running towards them or might've been coming towards them aggressively, maybe perhaps, um, and the woman's all tied up and saying, he's shocked me, he's kidnapping me, he's going to kill me. Then they start putting, you know, it's more reasonable. And now he produces his gun, still doesn't Pulled the trigger guy runs off he doesn't shoot him fleeing felon rule they just he just attacked this woman what if he would have gone and attacked another woman yeah you can what if scenarios but that's why you can't shoot somebody 
when, when they start running away from a crime, even if the crime was it, it, not, I don't want to say all the time, but in this case, they could even know kidnapping and shocking and, and all this stuff would be felonies. It's not just like, oh, fleeing felon rule and I'm able to shoot them as they run away. So I think it's it's really important to like kind of look at the sequence of events and how the gun was produced and when and, and all yeah. that stuff. Yeah, absolutely. Final story. This one on fox16.com, former GOP candidate pulls gun on attempted attacker. This happened in Hot Springs, Arkansas. I've been through there. And this is this says here a well-known Arkansas Republican and she, actually a gubernatorial candidate uh, finds herself practicing what she preaches about the Second Amendment this week. Uh, her name is Jan Morgan. She practices her gun handling on a simulator like the threat is real, according to the article. I, I think that's pretty cool. Uh, earlier this week, it says the threat was, in fact, real. Her daughter was walking into the family's private indoor shooting range. That's awesome. Okay. Mm-hmm. I mean, I don't know exactly what that means, but the way I read that, I have a private indoor shooting range. Like mine? <laughs> like my, like your own? Like, I want that. <laughs> Actually, I, th- I think this was a private indoor range uh, that her family, maybe they own it or they happen to be members there. Uh, but anyway, a man came at her daughter inside that range. Or actually just walking into it. Maybe it was outside. So a man came at her daughter. Morgan was inside. So the, her mother was inside. So it does appear that the daughter was still outside as he came at her. Her daughter called her on the cell phone, screaming and crying and panicked. She said that some guy had just charged at her. The daughter locked herself in the car. And Morgan, the mother, came out with her gun. She says the man was banging on the car window and yelling at her daughter. Apparently this man was under the influence of drugs, uh, was not you know, terribly coherent or thinking very straight, but either way, he was a threat to this, to this, I say little girl. Well, she's not a little girl, but she's 20 years old, but she's, she's a young lady. And he came at her mama came out to protect her with a gun. And that was all it took to make that guy, uh, realize that what he was, what he was doing was not a good, was not a good course of action. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, this is pretty interesting because one, it occurred at a, at a shooting range, uh, just outside of it. And, uh, of course, too, that it, you know, this daughter had the, the wherewithal and the presence of mind to run from him as he charged at her, get inside a vehicle and lock it uh, somewhere safe, and then was able to call for help. And uh, mom was able to respond with that help immediately. Pretty remarkable yeah. story here. Yeah, really cool. And, and you know, she didn't, the, 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 and this, this, is, this is good in showing that the, the ability of a firearm it, Use appropriately to deter an attacker. Um, the 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 daughter didn't have a gun. The mother did. the 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 attack continued on the daughter. Luckily, she was in the car. But as soon as the gun was produced appropriately, uh, the attack stopped. Right, and so I think it, it it completely illustrates why the firearm is so very very vital in in uh, you know self protection. Um, so I don't know. I, I don't know what more could be said. It was a pretty cool story. Yeah, man. No, it's, this is why we carry, man. This is what it's all about, mm-hmm. you know? And the fact this mother was right there and was prepared and ready to defend her daughter. Yeah. Good stuff, man. Folks, I hope you enjoyed listening to this episode of the Concealed Carry Podcast today. Uh, you know, that's what I, what I, I meant when I said, when I said, that's what this is all about. This is what we are passionate here at concealedcarry.com. We are passionate about teaching, inspiring, training, and helping others, you, our listeners, ourselves even, all become better concealed carriers, better self-defense-minded individuals, better prepared to handle difficult situations that unfortunately, regardless of what we think, regardless of what we'd like the world around us to be like, Crap happens on a daily basis to good people all across the world and uh, you know all across the United States here. So that's what this is all about. And uh, I'm, I'm serious when I say at the end of the podcast, each episode now, when I say I talk about training right, training often, and doing it safe, right? And then fighting hard and fighting fast and fighting true. And what do I mean by that? I mean, fight hard, of course. I think I think you get that, right? Like, don't give up. 
Uh, don't let yourself be a victim. Maintain that 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 winning mindset that you're gonna you're gonna come through this this event if and when it does happen. Be fast, right? So have your skills be such that they're honed in, they're sharp, and thus you can respond quickly and effectively. And then fight true. And what, we, what what that's implying is that we understand the. Well, this is how I read it, anyway. That we understand the law. That we understand ethics and morals. That we understand when it's good to use a gun, when it's not to to use a gun. And that when we decide that it is the time to use a gun, that then we 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 commit ourselves to that action and we follow through. So, I mean it. It's all it's all real. It's what this podcast and everything we do at concealedcarry.com is all about. Today's episode was made possible by our new state legal state. Let's see, legal boundaries by state book. Uh, this is a if you're familiar with the Traveler's Guide to the Firearm Laws of the Fifty States. This is the 2019 edition here. Well, we created basically an electronic version of this. Now it's not, there, there's still stuff that's very, very valuable in this book as well. We created our own version essentially by creating a summary by laws, by state, by state, by state. There's a lot of helpful information in there about air travel, storage of firearms, traveling across state lines, reciprocity, you know, which, which permits are good permits to have. If you're going to add to your own state's resident permit, you know, what are some other good non-resident permits to have? All the information on that. Uh, we talk about hotels and, and some of the different policies and procedures and, and rules that might exist, you know, in, in places where we might stay but are not necessarily our home. All kinds of really great stuff in this 200-page book. You can pick up a copy today by and for only $2.23 by going to concealedcarry.com forward slash law ebook. And then also pick up a copy of your state, your state's supplemental DVD from Andrew Branca and the Law of Self-Defense, available right now, limited time, 50% off, and that's substantial at concealedcarry.com forward slash state DVD. Now, we come to the time when we are drawing this week's winner of, and this week is what? Vehicle Firearm Tactics DVD. I'm excited about this. That was this was the first like full fledged video training course that we that our company really went out and produced. We did that about a year and a half ago now. Filmed it over a course of several days. Uh, we actually had to get a car because we actually used that car as a prop, both to teach about how to handle yourself in the car, around the car what to do with passengers, what happens when you shoot through windshields, through side windows, through doors, uh, round skipping off of the, the hood. I mean, all kinds of stuff. Uh, how to use cover effectively around that vehicle. We ran scenarios, several scenarios to show you, you know, how things could play out uh, in a gunfight around a vehicle and what you should do to what kind of, you know, strategies or, or tactics you should take around a vehicle to improve your chances of, of coming through that gunfight in one piece and intact. And so we're giving away one of those DVDs right here, right now. Who's excited? If you're excited about that, type in VFT in the Facebook comments right now. Matthew's excited, so I'm glad to hear that. <laughs> so, uh, folks... We had a uh, hundred and some odd uh, people sign up for this week's giveaway, the Vehicle Firearm Tactics DVD. It's a little bit down from last week, so what's up with that? Go to concealedcarry.com forward slash podcast prize right now and get signed up for n- not only next week's, next Tuesday's giveaway, which is for a the full three DVD set of Complete Home Defense, which is like eight hours of content. Yeah, that's that's significant. It's a great DVD set. And then also this Thursday, the 300th episode giveaway, you, you, that's a, you go to the same page, concealedcarry.com forward slash podcast prize. Make sure you're signed up. And make sure you share it with your friends and family on Facebook and other social media platforms because when you do that, you'll get more signups and you'll have more chances to win. And you're going to want those extra chances to win that 300 blackout AR pistol. All right. Good stuff. Um... And Sean asks, is there a hard copy of the book to buy? The ebook we just released, there's not a hard copy. It's electronic only. Sorry, buddy. But you can buy one of these. The Traveler's Guide to the Fire and Laws of the States. Uh, but anyway, you're going to still love that, e- that ebook. It's only two bucks, man. Just go pick it up a copy. All right, folks. Time to draw this week's winner of the Vehicle Firearm Tactics DVD. And the winner is Luke 
R. Last name starts with R. First name is Luke. And it's a at outlook.com email address. So if you're listening right now and you and you, you think that's you, it probably is you. Congrats to Luke on winning a copy of the Vehicle Firearm Tactics DVD. We'll get that uh, sent to you. We'll I'll send you an email. And uh, you'll you'll have about 72 hours to reply and make sure you claim that prize, or we'll have to pick a second winner. So you have 72 hours to claim. Congrats to Luke, and congrats to everybody else. You're all winners for being here and listening to the podcast all the way to the end. <laughs> <laughs> so with that, we look forward to seeing you on Thursday's 300th episode. I'm so excited. And with that, we're going to sign on out of here with a reminder to train right, train often, and train safe so you can fight hard, fight fast and fight true. Take care, everybody. A reminder that laws vary from place to place, and we encourage listeners to seek local legal advice to understand applicable laws. The Concealed Carry Podcast, Concealed Carry Inc., ConcealedCarry.com, and their affiliates strive to share insights and stories about firearm-related incidents and laws, but things could be different where you live, or laws may have changed by the time you listen to this. We cannot be held liable for your actions based on the information shared in this podcast.